Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today we have joining us Shannon Mulligan of Vast Results. Shannon, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Hi, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you here on the show, Shannon. Shannon, tell us about Vast Results. So Vast Results is a specialized business development firm. We help clients that have B2B clients that have long sales cycles, follow up, nurture, and find gold in their existing lead database. We are that sales outreach uh, for leads that may have gone dormant or quiet. And we actively pursue those leads um, into their natural conclusion. I have, a, I call my mom squad of moms here that want to do part-time selling work and they actively go after our clients' leads for them and, and either get them an appointment or re-engage a conversation, get another proposal sent out and they just follow those leads to their natural conclusion. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that I, I really interest me in having you on the show um, is that unique perspective that you know people in your position have working um, as a, a sales resource for for companies. I think you guys have a different perspective on things than uh, necessarily a, a, a traditional sales force. But especially your the long sales cycle, I think, is fascinating. Can you talk a bit about how you guys approach your sales process, considering that it is going in knowing it's going to be a long process? Right. So our clients really understand the So they're established, right? They might be in a business seven, 10 years, and they really understand the value of the information they have, they've gathered over that seven, 10 years from trade shows to speaking events, to podcasts, to all the, all the things that companies do when it comes to marketing. Uh, but they also recognize that their service, what they're providing is not something that somebody's going to say yes to after one two demos it's a it's a consistent knocking on the door of that prospect for our client that gets them to yes right that gets them that ability to actually get re-engaged or to close the business i mean we have one client we've been working with them almost six years now it took four years now they have a very long sales cycle it's almost a year long so that's not crazy, but it was four years of knocking on that door. So that's what our, our my mom squad does. Our, we, our, they're business development directors. They're consistently reaching out with different touches, LinkedIn, emails, phone calls, all the things just to try to re-engage that qualified lead. So as a sales leader, and I'm struggling with that, that similar issue where, you know, I'm trying to build a sales team that's going to be effective and, mm -hmm. and as you say, getting us to yes, you know, your tagline, getting you to yes, which I love. Um, you really have to go about that, I imagine, with a great deal of intentionality and structured process. Can you, what advice do you have for sales leaders around, you know, establishing that process and what they need to be thinking about? 
for sure. Uh, I'd say first and foremost, all of our clients, they need to have some type of CRM. We cannot work with you. You know, if you got that stack of business cards on your known your monitor, everybody knows they got it, or that spreadsheet or information's kind of everywhere. They they definitely need to have some type of CRM. We can help our clients implement a CRM, we can help recommend CRMs, but we need to have some type of way to track not only our activities so we could be transparent to our client that we are doing what we say we're doing, just like any salesperson. Um, but it just allows us to do our job easier, right? We're not looking for bits of information everywhere. And then I'd say the second big portion, of course, is that their marketing house has to be in order, right? They have to have the tools, the toolkit to give us, to give us the ammunition to go out there and try to re-engage. So I'd say those are the two big things. And there's no silver bullets for that. It takes hard work to put that stuff in place, correct? Correct. It does. It really does. And I think it takes a little bit of time too. sometimes just like, uh, you know, it's not it, it's why Windows has, you know, we're on Windows version 10 now. Right. It's not Windows one anymore. Right. They're just you just need to kind of keep, you know, upgrading, you know, your your processes. But you need to start somewhere. You need to have some kind of foundation and building block and yep. just keep improving upon them. Yeah. You know, it's amazing as I do what I do companies I come across of all sizes, you know, where on the small size, they might be doing two to 5 million a year in revenue. Um, I know of a company that's doing 200 million a year, um, no CRM, and they're running out of QuickBooks. <laughs> and so it's possible to get that far without that technology infrastructure. But the reality is you're going to live through a lot of pain doing that. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is absolutely possible to do that. I don't yeah. recommend it because you're right. A lot of pain that could entail a lot of high turnover, right? Salespeople are difficult. I mean, especially in today's, you know, um, the market with um, job seekers and it's really difficult to, how do you re uh, attract and retain those? And salespeople are not going to stay if stuff is, we have little patience as a salesperson myself, first and right. foremost, we have little patience for that type of thing. We want all the things right there at for us easy to go out and just do what we do sell right what advice do you have for someone who may be listening that says you know what we don't have a crm um and maybe we need help with process you know besides just getting started what advice do you have for them uh of, you know for that process of you know uh, obtaining and implementing a crm well first don't let it overwhelm you right because there are a lot of tools out there now right i mean we're we're i think it's like it's like the cheesecake factory menu it's almost too much you know it's too many choices but don't let that overwhelm you uh, it just pick one that you feel that works I think of your goal, right? What do you want the CRM really to do, right? Do you need it to do your invoicing? Do you need it to keep track of inventory as well? I mean, like if it's just keeping track of contents or contacts and just kind of the natural progression of a lead, then it doesn't have to be anything super, super complicated or expensive. But I would think about the goal of the CRM and then not be afraid just to like, I think a lot of our clients get hung up in the fact of, well, what if this doesn't grow with me? What do I do in 10 years? I'm like, well, you don't have anything now. So what's the right way? Like, this is right. better than what you have. So you, you, you need to start 
somewhere. And I'm a big fan of just blocking the time, right? I have, I have time on my calendar. I'm, I own a business. I'm a business owner and understand the value of processes myself. So I block off time in my calendar and just work on my processes. And honestly, all that is, is just typing on a Google document about documenting what happens and when it happens next. That's right. And you know, the, when it comes to selecting CRM, it's so key to right size for where you are now. But I also recommend yes. people think about where you are three to five years. It's hard to go beyond three to five years. You know, 10 years, forget it. You have no right. idea where you're gonna be in 10 years. But three years, I think is a pretty reasonable window, maybe stretching it to five. Um, and just make sure that whatever platform you select, if you choose in three to five years, I've, you know, I've outgrown this one, I don't wanna to go to the next one make sure there's a migration path to something else. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've come across companies where they get there and they realize we're stuck. You know, it's gonna be really expensive to get out of what we're in. Um, so just make sure you've got that path. Have you ever come across that where you've had clients where they're just, they get in that position and they're stuck? No. I haven't yet. Most of my clients, because of their size and who are, you know, our avatar are, are fairly small, you know, so they haven't really outgrown what they, if they have anything, a lot of them don't have anything. I haven't outgrown that yet, but I have worked for companies where they are, they have, you know, they have something proprietary, right? Something that was built specifically for them. Yeah. And then it's done well for them, but they've just outgrown it. And it's this huge, expensive right. undertaking that takes years. Oh yeah, it could be painful. To migrate, oh yeah. The other advice I have for people, and I'd love your opinion on this, is they tend to get so wrapped up on the actual tool itself, they forget about people in process, mm -hmm. um, which you know they look to like, oh, if I get the serum, it's gonna solve all my problems. And in reality, it, it can create a lot more problems if you're not addressing the first. What are your feelings around that? Oh, for sure, because we both know this, Chris, if the salesperson, salespeople have a, and maybe this is, I'm stereotyping here, but we have an issue with CRM. I mean, and if it is extremely clunky or if it's, you know, they're making a decision based on just price or it's the shiniest new thing and they're not thinking about the salesperson or the sales support person that's actually working within the CRM, they won't use it. And there really is no reason to have it pay for it. So yeah, I completely agree. It, the The users, the salespeople need to be a part of the conversation or the tool needs to have said, we need, we look at the, how the, the users are going to implement this. Right. Right. And can it support my process? Yeah. You know, that, uh, I think that's a key part. Um, you know, one thing that I've been talking to a lot of companies about is going beyond CRM and looking at some of the sales enablement tools that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, what's your philosophy around leveraging those additional tools that are going to help with sequencing and, you know, that really extend the power of your CRM? I think they're great. I, I, again, I think you have a lot of choices nowadays and it can seem overwhelming to folks to make a decision, you know, paralysis and now, you know, you know, analysis paralysis. And, and I think if you're going to add on to a sales enablement tool to exactly to your point, as long as it's gonna to continue to support your existing processes or a new process, then that's a good tool and pick it and use it and then try a new iteration if it doesn't work. But 
I don't think not making a decision or not adding it in isn't if it's going to add to your process or it's going to add automate it's going to add automation where it's appropriate I, I, I completely I see value in that that's awesome um how do you engage with your customers if you're you've got a new customer and you're getting them started with this process What's your approach or how do you guys go about that? Sure. So we have a, we have an onboarding process. It usually starts, we have a, we schedule a kickoff call, but prior to the kickoff call, we um, send them a checklist of things we want to see. Their marketing toolkit is one of those things. Um, and we ask them to do some infrastructure work, you know, our uh, business development directors get their own email address, you know, we get a license set up in the CRM, things like that, just kind of the housekeeping. And then we start with a kickoff call. And that's generally, we spend an hour, sometimes an hour and a half on the call, just talking through our initial strategy. What, who, because you, you actually mentioned it earlier. Yes, we were very strategic, right? We're not just going to go out willing, just pick a name in the database and we're going to start calling or emailing. We're going to be very strategic about who we approach based upon our clients' feedback. Some of a lot of the clients that we've worked with have been uh, professional speakers, professional coaches. And so they really want our help on kind of following up on leads that raise their hand during a, you know, a webinar event or something or downloaded the white paper, things like that. So we try to be, and the, we try to plan out a strategy and then we come back to them with, okay, great. This is what, how we are going to, we think we should approach it using their existing marketing. If they've got a great piece or they've got a great um, email that they send out that we like and think would be effective, we'll use that. And, but if not, we'll give them our feedback on what they could probably improve upon. Right. So you're looking for those gaps, those holes that need to be filled to really implement that effective process. And what I like about hearing answers like yours is I think anyone who's listening that's a sales leader can leverage just what you talked about that say, hey, if I'm coming into a new organization and I need to do the same thing, what's that great strategy for getting that done? So thank you for sharing that. Um, what yeah. advice do you have for someone that is embarking on that journey? Um, for beyond just getting started, but you know, what should I be focusing on that first 90 days? Mm. As a new sailor, the first 90 days, I just listen to the salespeople. <laughs> well, I mean, I would just listen to the salespeople, whether they're complaints or they're, or the fantastic things they like about the job or true or not, or legitimate or whatever it is, there's clearly a reason they vo they'll voice it. And then you can maybe look at, okay, we need to improve upon this process because this is where our bottleneck is, or we need to improve upon this process because the sales reps are getting frustrated and they find like, I, I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing and spending time on, you know, making my $40 or whatever it is. I would, that to me is, I think is something that sales leaders get a little too, they rush, you know, sales leaders come in, you know, the new VP of sales comes in. Of course, they want to make up like lots of people, they want to make some broad sweeping changes, but I think they skip over that important factor of listening to what what is truly going on and before they make any kind of major decisions. Right. So what about with your clients, you know, where you need to start showing, you know, results? What is mm -hmm. your reasonable expectation for seeing those results as a sales leader? So for us, it's different because we're a part-time resource. You know, none of my moms work more than 10 hours a week for any of our accounts. So of course, our results are going to be very different 
just because of the le less time we're spending on um, making these follow-up phone calls. So we set up those expectations pretty early on at the beginning, at the kickoff call. This is what we would like to be able to accomplish. We hear what our client, what they feel is successful, what they wanna see at the end of, because all of our engagements, we have a minimum of six month um, uh, initial contract. And then what they would like to have seen at that six months. And then after that, it's of course month to month. So it's really about setting up the expectations really kind of very at the very beginning of a relationship. I would say of a traditional sales leader, of a traditional, you know, inside sales team, I think just communicating with them about the existing, you know, if they're coming in brand new to an existing sales team, um, what their existing um, goals are and how you can help them plow stuff out of the way so they can meet those and then in the next quarter readdress and realign maybe to what you feel is more appropriate or if you're building a sales team a brand new sales team that's a harder thing to answer that because a lot of them probably don't have a lot of experience how do you figure out the goal that's appropriate for people with less experience or more experience i don't know goals and goals and metrics are hard so i i, I don't think i have a great answer for that one well, that's okay. The key there, I think, in listening to you, it, it's communication and it's listening. You know, it's asking those questions, listening to the answers and having that exchange to get to what that, that ultimate answer is going to be. Yeah, there need to, it, it, this is this is my opinion, you know, we've, we've moved to this buyer-centric, you know, model where we're, you know, very focused on the buyer. And I sometimes feel like the sales rep gets lost in that buyer-centric, right? If we're pushing stuff up from the bottom, right, in that buyer-centric model, I think it should be true of the sales reps, right? The sales rep should have some input, right? It's, it is not a democracy, I do get that, but they should have some input on their goals and their metrics and what motivates them. Right. I'd like to shift the conversation a bit to talk about something that we're both passionate about, and that's increasing the visibility uh, of women in sales. Can you talk to me about that and yeah. your opinions on that? Yes, thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, this is, I mean, obviously as a woman, it's important to me and I appreciate you bringing visibility to and asking the question. And I would love to see more women in the career of sales. I would love to see more women in sales leadership. I would just love to see more women in leadership in general, but I would just love to see more women not be in this as a see sales as a viable career, not something that you could make a very good living at that has a lot of flexibility to it. And I would just, I would like to see more of it. And I feel like we're getting closer and closer to that, I feel like there's more women truly going into sales intentionally. Like a lot of people, I won't, I won't maybe we're maybe we're not at the same age, or we're probably close. I'm a Gen Xer. I feel like we, I felt it was sales was an accidental career for me, and I feel like a lot of people that are similar age to me, as women, the same thing. We just kind of fell into like it just kind of we took the first job as the pharmaceutical rep we took the first job as the copier rep we took the first job as the pay you know the hr payroll company rep and we learned we had a thing we had a, a knack for it or a talent for it and so i'd really love to see women choose sales as a career and see themselves in it that's a great i love that what do you think's holding back women from making that choice i think they think they need to have a certain 
personality quality or qualities that women don't see themselves as traditionally having. Um, I think they think that they're going to have to go into an environment that's going to be pretty male dominated and they're not sure they can do that. And I always tell women, like, hey, newsflash, most industries are male dominated. So it doesn't, it, whether you're selling widgets or you're a scientist, right? You're mostly men are around you. So I, I would like them to just recognize that selling does not have to be, I want to, I want to change the idea of what a good salesperson is. You know, I really do. It doesn't have to be this idea of this aggressive, always be closing, you know, these are the good leads salesperson. Right. It's, you think about so much of sales these days, at least in my world, it's being consultative of being mm -hmm. a really great listener, um, of really being able to establish rapport with someone. Um, it's not like you were saying, like the high pressure or the, you know, the, you know, super aggressive or anything like that. No. Um, not what advice I, do you have for sales leaders that look, you know, maybe looking at their team and saying, you know what, my team is 80 or 90% male. Mm -hmm. What should I be doing to, to transform the makeup of that team? Uh, well, you could look to groups. There are lots of women in sales groups all over the country, and you could find them on LinkedIn. And if you ha are intentionally trying to hire more women on your sales team, I think the first place you need to do is start looking at those groups. Um, here, I, myself and another woman here, we found it here in Columbus, Columbus Women in Sales. And it's a group of B2B saleswomen. Some of them are looking for jobs. Of course, some, some of them are not. But there's another uh, group in Utah. And there's National Association of Women Sales Professionals that the fabulous Cynthia Barnes runs. And so um, there's Women Sales Pros, which is the group that, um, that I'm in, that how you found me. There's lots of ways to find women sellers and recruit and encourage them to get into sales. And then the second part of it is that I would really encourage them to look at their job descriptions and how they describe the job of the sales job that they have and think about it um, sometimes maybe differently and how you actually phrase things and, and how you describe the, the role they're going to be doing. So they don't, so they feel like they could apply and be like, oh yeah, that, that sounds like me. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. What about if I'm listening and I'm a, a you know, a female in sales right now? Um, what should I be thinking about if I want to pursue a, a, a sales leadership role? Find a mentor. And I know everybody, this is probably a cliched answer, but it's so true. And here's the secret, Chris. They don't have to know that you're their mentor that they're their mentor. <laughs> it could just start out. You don't have to go, can you please be my mentor? You yeah. could just start a conversation with a woman you admire in sales yes. and just start a conversation, turns into a friendship, and all of a sudden you have a mentor. And you don't even ever have to say the words, would you be my mentor? It just, but you have to do that work, right? You right. have to do that work of reaching out to that person, getting in front of them, and then following up pursuing them for virtual coffee or a regular coffee or what everybody, whatever everybody's doing right now. And that's it. But you need to find that mentor who somebody you admire and just 
ask them. Most, most of the women I know that are in sales and selling are super generous because they know how difficult it can be. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I just think in general, I think that's wonderful advice. Even if you don't necessarily even wanna be a sales leader, but you just wanna be better at what you do, there's so much to be gained from someone who's been there and done that. I feel a responsibility as particularly as a woman to turn around and put my hand back out and it is for sure done far more for me than potentially the person I'm, I'm helping. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I know as an entrepreneur, um, I often give that same advice to, to entrepreneurs that just find someone in your network that's an entrepreneur and make a phone call. I've yet to have an entrepreneur that I've reached out to say, no, they're always willing to, to share, to do those experience shares. And, and uh, like you said, lend a hand yeah, um, human, because we all know how tough it is. We do. And I, I, and I generally, you know, this is the Midwestern Pollyanna in me, as my husband says, but I genuinely believe people are want to help other people, right? They just do. As long as you're not asking this huge, thing they're going to help and if they don't and and most entrepreneurs that i'm sure like yourself and business owners we've also gotten pretty good at saying no the right way if it's not something we want to do we you know just right. say no yep you know i noticed with my daughter i've tried to connect her with women in my network that are very successful and she is scared to do that and i've tried to explain that honey all you have to do is just say I'd love to hear your story. Can you share your story with me? I'd like to know how you got where you are now. Why do you think she's scared? Because I, I, I mentioned most people, it's not just gender specific, but people are afraid to, to do that initial outreach. Why, why is that? Well, you, you're asking for help. Right. And that's a vulnerable thing. And that's something, you know, you, you're put in a, you know, it feels, it feels vulnerable. You know, you feel like, well, I don't, I shouldn't need help, or I have my dad to help me, or I know my dad will connect me. Or it, it just, it, it, and you're asking a stranger, right? We've been conditioned, right? This is a, this is a stranger, right? Why would they, why would they say yes to me? Why would they say yes to me? I have no idea, you know. So there is, I think, a just, a, and it could be, how old is your daughter? How old is she? She is just turned 21. And again, I don't want to say it's a, it's not necessarily a gender thing, but is I think a generational thing. I think right. some in our much younger generation, right? It's just they communicate very differently than yeah. you and I growing up did. And um them making that hurdle into kind of the adult world of well this is how adults not right like it, that's a that's a huge thing sometimes for of, for kids that age but right. i would say that you know just it's it's hard to be vulnerable and ask for help and that's really what you're doing yep let's talk flip the coin or flip the coin a little bit here talk about vulnerability as a leader mm. um what role does vulnerability as a leader have for you or uh, from your perspective close to my heart, a huge part of it, right? I really, I'm a proponent of being vulnerable. And as I like to say, sometimes radically transparent <laughs> to my team. Um, 
And I think, and of course, I think it's because it's, it's well, it's all been all women that I've worked with. They, of course, respond, I think, very positively to it because they, they also recognize and see it. And I, I think it just, it shows your team you're genuinely thinking about them. When you share something that you're going through and you're potentially frustrated with, or you don't know how to overcome, or you're just, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what our next step should do. And by sharing and telling them that and asking them that, I mean, you're, you're bringing them in and you're making, bringing them closer and you're sharing with them that I feel like you're such an important part of this team that I feel comfortable sharing this with you. So I think it, I think it pays so many dividends and in so many ways. Yeah, I love that. How do you go about building your team? You know, considering that you guys uh, are fractional, they're part-time. Chinese secret. No. Showing <laughs> 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 so my age again. Yeah. I, so it's hard. I'll be to show, be honest and transparent and vulnerable here. And it's hard for everybody right now. Um, but it was hard before uh, because we have a very specific thing we are asking. Right. Um, we have had very good luck with multi, as I call them, refugees of MLMs, multi-level marketing, right? Because of who they are and the tar and what they generally go after is generally a mom. And they didn't have as much success as they thought they would be, they would have. But they realize, like they, I, I'm pretty good at the selling thing, and you know, and back before the pandemic, our model was extremely attractive because it wasn't retail, it wasn't nights, you know, it was nine to five, Monday through Friday, it was or ten to three or whatever you wanted it to be, right? So it was super appealing. So we've had a lot of success that way, and that's how I found a lot of um, and just networking in my local community here. I mean, they're generally moms in my mom's groups and my book clubs and things like that. But now it has for sure become much more competitive for me and for other models that like ours, because with this shift to hybrid and remote, it, you could work truly sell and be anywhere and, and do this. So, but that's how we have in the past and yeah. trying to retain them by keeping them busy is the other way to right. keep how it How do you teach them to speak with the voice of their customer? Mm, that's a great question. So we have a kind of a loose sales training um, that everybody goes through uh, after the client is signed and they're prior to the kickoff call, we just kind of walk through once they send the marketing kit to us, you know, like we kind of get together because it's very collaborative. I work with each business development director on the client. We everybody make sure we're rowing in the same direction. And we just, again, it's very collaborative. We come up with like, okay, I think this is what they're trying to say. I think this is what they're trying to brand. I think this is how they're trying to present themselves. I think this is the value proposition. And then we almost on the kickoff call present back to them. We're like, this is what we think you do and how you do it and why people work with you. And we give that back to them and they go, oh yeah, that is, that's exactly what, you know, or they go, uh, no, 
no, that's not what, right? And so we're then able to find kind of the holes and, the, and fill the gaps. And then the, the business development director is able to learn and, you know, gain knowledge, just like it, it again, it's just like any new employee, right? That's why I tell you, we're, we're not really much different than any, if you hired a full-time salesperson, we're going to need that time to understand your value proposition. But that's what we do prior to them coming on board. Right, right. And what do you do work with your clients around developing that value proposition? A tiny bit, right? We really try to stay in our lane of selling, right? If they need, if they send us their marketing kit and we're like, oh no, you know, then we might put the brakes on and go, listen, you need to get your marketing house in order. And you really probably need to think about doing X, Y, and Z, and then come back to us because we have tried the, you know, going that route of, and tried to put the square peg in the round hole and it, it's, nobody's happy. So we don't do a lot of that work. We try to stay out of the, the marketing side as no, much I as we can. I love that because, you know, it's again, the reality of if you're trying to sell without doing all that upfront work that you need to do to get your house in order, you know, it's the same thing as like, hey, I want to implement CRM, but I haven't figured out what my sales process is. I don't understand how I'm going to implement that in CRM. It's all the same. You have yep. to do that upfront work to be successful. For sure. Yeah. So we're coming up on our time here on Sales Lead Dog. Shannon, I really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to reach out and connect with you, if they want to learn more about Vast Results, what's the best way for that to happen? Um, LinkedIn. I'm super active on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, they can search for my profile on there and send me a message or uh, just try to connect with me saying you, you heard the podcast. I would, I would love to hear from people and, and get their feedback. And could we go through those websites again or resources that you have uh, that you recommend for people that want to grow their the female component of their sales team? Sure, sure. Um, let's see. Let's see. Well, of course, there's Women Sales Pros and it's womensalespros.com. And then here in Columbus, we have Columbus Women in Sales. It's a group of about 700 women on the B2B sales market. There's the National Association of Women Sales Professionals, and that's run by the fabulous Cynthia Barnes. If you're not following her on LinkedIn, you should. And then there's one, uh, Women in Revenue. That's another one. I'm not, as yes. familiar, I'm not as familiar with them, but I know they're a large group as well. Yeah, that's a good one too. Well, thank yeah. you so much for that information and sharing that with our listeners. And thanks again for coming on Sales Lead Dog. Thanks so much, Chris. I appreciated it. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.